Amen. Thank you so much, Rod. When he says we go far back, makes me feel like I'm as old as he is. <laughs> but we actually do go far back. And uh, yesterday I remember that when Pastor Bob McGregor came to Uganda, uh, in 2012, and um, we were prophesied over. I was pursuing a career in law, and Richard was working with the bank. So Rod reminded us that he's one of the four guys that prophesied over us that morning. So I told him that, so you're part of the party that ruined our lives, you know? <laughs> it is such a, an honor to be at City Harvest. I want to say thank you to Pastor Pete and uh, Pastor Tamar for uh, inviting us, allowing us to come and share with you here this morning. I'm going to share just a little bit of my personal testimony uh, to help you get to know us better, me better, but also for you to just see how God takes us through things for a bigger purpose and uh, that he has for us. Amen. So I, I feel like um, I want to share it mostly because I believe there's some of you here that maybe are wondering, God, why would you have me go uh, through a winding road like that one? God always has a grand purpose uh, for the events that he allows in our lives. So uh, I was born in a, a family of 33, so, and I'm number 25 among that party of 30. So that's the, the you know, the magic number. And uh, actually two years ago, interestingly, we found out that we had another sibling, a 31st. But I wanted to be very keen to see which number she was because I didn't want to lose the spot, number 25. And thank God I'm still in 25. So she's number 26. My dad, he just was on an escapade, I think. It wasn't a polygamous home, but he had many women. And so he had many of us. Um, luckily, I grew up for the first part of my life with my mother, who was got to know the Lord uh, soon after I was born. And so she brought me to Life Church, the church we are pastoring right now. She brought me to Life Church, so I have memories of I was looking at the little girls over there, and that's exactly how I was. And a few times, you know, African moms, she would take me out of the church and give me a spanking for messing things up because I would hop on people's laps from one lap to another. So sometimes she felt this is it. And so I got a spanking for it. But I remember being in the house of God that young. And so I, I remember the seeds of uh, love for God and purpose were sown in my heart really early in those years. When I was eight years old, uh, she left the country to go and work abroad. And so I had to move into my dad's home where all my other 29 siblings were living. So it was like walking into a jungle of some sort. And in, in that home, he was Catholic. He didn't let me go to life church that much. But the thing that preserved me 
were the seeds of God that had been sowed in my heart as a little child. And so uh, encouragement for parents here, you do well when you bring your little ones to the house of God. There are some incredible seeds that God sows in their hearts that um, are, are what will keep them in the years to come. Because in, in my dad's home, it was like a jungle. It was survival for the fittest. It was, I, I got to experience many things that I had been protected from. But I, I thank God that the seeds of God had been sown in my heart. So when I was 11, my mom, who had, I had last seen when I was eight, she passed away. Uh, she died abroad. She was living in London. So she died there. And then, so I, I last saw her at eight alive, and I saw her again at 11 in her coffin. And then when I was 13, my dad also died. They both died of HIV, AIDS, which is uh, uh, something that has plagued many families in Uganda. Many people who are my age or younger have lost parents as a result of the scourge. So um, it, when I was 13, because both parents had now gone and there was too many of us, no one wanted that whole big group of siblings. So we had to each find a place to stay. And a cousin of mine, who is also in life church, took me into her home and I grew up in the house of God. I battled depression. I uh, battled um, uh, feelings of, uh, you know, how you feel like an orphan. Even when people love you so much, you feel like, oh, no, 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 there's, uh, no one understands me. But somehow God used her to steward me all those years and I grew to love the house of God. I learned to serve in the house of God and one thing led to another. And so God now has me and my husband leading that same church where I got to experience the healing of God from all manner of things that I had experienced before. And so every day, every day at Life Church, I, I encounter young people who, the minute I meet them, I see myself in them. I see my story in theirs. I see my experiences in theirs. And that has given me, I believe God was handing me tools as I went through experience after experience after experience. Some of them, when they come, their stories are much worse. Really, I edited this to, because uh, I have only a few minutes from my husband's someone time. But uh, some of them have had worse or whatever it is they've gone through. But I feel like through my own experiences, God handed me tools. It's easy for me to minister to them. It's easy for me to run to them. It's easy for me to wrap my arms around them because I understand exactly what they're going through. God has a purpose. God has a plan for your life. A scripture that became a life scripture for me over the years. Um, when my mom passed away, a relative of mine gave me a small card. I don't know if they still give out cards that say it, sympathy thoughts uh, when you lose a loved one. So she gave me one of those. And when I looked at the card, on the back of the card, there was Jeremiah 29, 11. It's the very first time I encountered this verse that says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. 
and I held on to those words. I, I was 11 when I first read that verse, but throughout school, all my school books had Jeremiah 29, 11 to this day. Uh, even, even now when I get a new notebook, the first thing I write is Jeremiah 29, 11, because I'm telling you, I have seen firsthand that God actually has good thoughts for us. So, uh, while, while I was experiencing these things, it felt like God was after me, trying to, you know, kill me or something, you know, like, why'd you take my mommy, you know, why'd you leave me in, in this jungle, of, uh, no one's looking out for me, uh, but I know God had a plan. And I, I'm here to tell you, I want you to hear that as I, I share a little of my story that God has a plan for you too. I, I may not understand the things you experience and the challenges you have and, or you've had or the hard things that have come in your life. But I want you to know that God is using those as tools for the purpose that he has for you too. Your journey will look different from another person's. Mine looks different from yours, but the same God is watching over us all on that journey and I guarantee you that if you trust him if you rely on the truth of his word those truths that sometimes are hard to believe in the moment but those words are true and those words are for you and God will bring it to pass thank you for listening to me God bless you we love you very much City Harvest amen How many know Dora is? She's the fire right there. Yeah. Um, uh, when I first met Dora, she's, she's amazing, as you can see. Uh, I didn't know the story. I, I joined Life Church just as one guy. I, I grew up in an Anglican church here. You would call it what, Episcopal, maybe. Um, I grew up in an Anglican church. So today when we sang the hymn, it took me back, way back to, uh, to my, my place. And, you know, I, I, I love hymns. And, uh, but I encountered Jesus at 14 years old. Um, but uh, my parents said, okay, it's okay for you to know Jesus, but you can't leave our church. You can't leave our, our, our religion, our denomination. You have to, you know, I wondered how a denomination can be present with, you know, Christian denomination without preaching Jesus. Um, but you know, it happens. Uh, that's, that's the issue with religion. And so I encountered Jesus at 14, uh, but for seven years, I never had a, a church, never had a church that I called home uh, because I, I constantly lived in this uh, fear of trying to, you know, I have to honor my parents. That, that one thing I knew, but it was beyond the honor. It was really a fear that, you know, if I did this, if I really went into a church where I would experience God, uh, maybe, maybe they would abandon me and, you know, I'll be honest with you that many, especially people from the Islamic community in our church, many of them have, have, have experienced that. Their parents have literally written them off. Some of them they've done like, the, I don't know if you guys know, something called like last funeral rites, where like if someone is dead and then they do like, the, you know, want to 
come up their life and you know finish off and say this one died so some of them they are still alive but their families their clans have done last funeral rites for them and say that one is dead we can count them as dead but can i tell you something when we come into the house of god when we come into the body of christ we find family yes. someone say amen, amen. and <clears throat> So I, I walked into Life Church 2006. Uh, one guy, I didn't know anyone in that place. That, that's a long story with it. But the first time I saw Dora, I was like, "This is a royal." She's, she she had a, she had she had almost everything together. Uh, she had followed Jesus for a long time, and I really wanted to come close to her. So we we you know got got kind of channeled our paths together, and uh, 2012 we get married, and that year we received the word from um, for, of the Lord from uh, uh, um, Rodia and Bob was leading a team to Uganda, and, and that that word literally uh, changed the course of our lives. When I got saved. One thing I was persuaded about is my life is not my own and God can do whatever he wants to do with my life. Yeah. Hmm. I know that's not so American. <laughs> can I tell you something? Can I remind us that God can do whatever he wants to do with our lives? Yeah. Amen. That, that is a surrendered life. That is, that is what we signed up for. That God will take our life and turn it around. Can I, but can I tell you something? God is a good God. He, he knows what is best for us. He knows what we need. And uh, before Bible says that before he formed us, he knew us. And, you know, he, he laid out these plans for our lives. And, and so nothing is happening to us by mistake. So I wanted to pick it up from there. And, and one of the things that has really revolutionized my life is this idea of the gospel. We're going to be sharing a little bit about the gospel. And uh, Pastor Pete told me that um, in the whole, is it a, a county of Vancouver? Is it the city? Is it Vancouver? Is it a city or county? City. city. The whole of Vancouver city. Uh, you would find most Bibles on a Sunday morning uh, in City Harvest Church. So can I, can I see some Bibles in the room? So when we encourage people at church to, uh, I ask them, are you ready for the word? I ask them, if you're ready, show me, show me some swords, show me some Bibles. If you need one, I think the ushers can get you one. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. So if you if you need one, you you can raise up your hand. Um, you know what, I'm, I'm yet to migrate fully to the digital Bible. I have it somewhere, I have it on my devices, but there's something about this hard copy right here. Yes. Someone say amen. Yes. And sometimes when I just sit at home and just put it in my lap, I, I really feel the presence of God in my life. Well, that's me, but I, I'm sure that if you encounter the word of God, God will, God will also speak to you. Can we pray together? Yes. Lord, we come to your word this morning. We come, Lord, with open hearts, Lord. Come, come and speak to us. Lord, encourage us, Lord. Everyone, Lord, at our very points of, of need, our very points of our journey, Lord, speak to us this morning. We thank you for your word, because your word is life, Lord. Your word is light, oh God, unto our paths. And your word um, brings light, brings enlightenment, brings understanding to the simple. So, Lord, we receive it, Lord, with, with grateful hearts this morning. Amen. Okay. Um, um, last, 
last few minutes that I'm going to be sharing, I'm going to talk about a little bit about uh, this idea of the ordinary gospel. The ordinary gospel, if you wanted to ask, uh, ask yourself what, what are we trying to talk about, the ordinary gospel. Um, I, I've been following um, this house for a while. Like when, when, when I came to Life Church, something happened in my heart. I fell in love with the local church. I just love what God can do through the local church. I, 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 I saw that, you know, of all things God is doing in, in the world, He's building the church. The Bible says that He is building the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, and I, I've been, well, you know, as much as I could, I, you know, and for, for a season I kept assimilating things and assimilating um, stuff about the church. And I, I followed the journey of, of City Harvest for some time. And, uh, you know, just even to hear Pastor Bob handing off the work in, uh, here to Pastor Pete is amazing. I, I've listened to Pete and Tamar on, the, uh, on my podcast. I listened to them and, wow, they are, they're going to be amazing pastors, I know. Pastor Bob is a good father, but wow, God has given us another father in Peter and Tamar. Is that a good thing to say? I don't know. I, I have to be culturally correct. So the kids are like, no, he's only our father. He's not a father for everyone. But they are amazing people. And um, uh, uh, this scripture in John chapter 3, is, it talks about, you know, uh, in fact, I'm speaking about Peter today. Uh, Peter, first John chapter. It's not, did I say John? It's Acts three. My notes are, my notes are crazy. It's Acts three. Um, Acts chapter three. Uh, Bible says now Peter and John. Uh, how many of your Bibles open? We could read together. Uh, I, I like the idea of reading together. We, we could read those first ten verses together. Um, I know I have the British accent, but I hope you're getting it. <laughs> No, whenever I come to the to, to the US, like I'm talking to people in England. What did you say? <laughs> and I so this morning is the leaning in morning. Yeah. You have to lean in a little bit more. Okay, are, are we ready to read together? Yes. Okay, now Peter, uh-huh. Oh, we are reading together. One, two, three, we go. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked the alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I, ha I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankles 
ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Wow. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, Peter and John wake up that morning. They had not planned to have a crusade that morning. <laughs> they had not planned to meet a lame man and lay. I, mean, I think they, maybe they had been going to the temple for a long time. But something had happened in their lives. Something had provoked uh, something great in their lives. And they were like, you know what? Today, we need to end this. Um, they, I have three things that thoughts that I pick up from that is one is that the ordinary gospel is carried by everyday people who have encountered Jesus. Yeah, yeah. like every day, like Peter and John, they were. Uh, in fact, when you read at the end of this whole story, um, you know, because when they healed the man, there was there was confusion around the city, and the the the, the, uh, the leaders of the temple came and, and you know caught them. And the Bible says in Acts chapter four, uh, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, hmm, and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled. Hmm. And they and they realized that they had been with Jesus. That was the difference maker. They were ordinary people, but they had been with Jesus. And I, I think sometimes in our Christian walk, we discount our encounter with the Lord. The, the gospel is so simple. Like when we receive the gospel, for some of us it was very dramatic. For some of us it wasn't that dramatic. But, you know, the gospel in its entirety is so simple and yet so profound. Paul says that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for in it. Um, I, I'm not, uh, let me read it. I, I like to quote right. Um, Romans, this is Romans chapter 1, for I'm not, verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greeks, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it's written, they just shall live by faith. When Jesus came into this, uh, into the world, uh, he came with this good news, he came with the gospel, and it was kind of like an upside upside thing because everyone was used to working their way towards God but when Jesus comes into the picture he tells them no you don't have to walk your way towards God this is why I've come I've come to bridge the gap so that anyone who needs Jesus who needs to come back to God can find their way back to God yes. can I remind you that all of us in this room who are who are Christians self who are followers of Jesus that is how we encountered Jesus we never walked for our salvation we simply went to that empty cross and reminded ourselves oh because he lives we can also live we simply put our faith in him and you know you know when we received this good news it was that wasn't the end of it God placed in us his power his spirit and that's that that's what God told the disciples hey uh, you've seen me resurrect but do not leave Jerusalem 
because um, after after this, uh, the helper is coming, and when the helper comes, you do, you'll be my witnesses. You're going to tell people more about me. That's what Jesus uh, uh, Jesus does even in our lives. He he empowers us. And uh, uh, this week I was reading a scripture in um, in in Second Corinthians four that that but we have this treasure in, in jars of clay. We we look at ourselves and we are we 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 seem like we are ordinary. We are we are ordinary. Yes, we are. There's this jars. We are jars of clay. We are perishable. We are we are not. You know we, we are not perfect. Some of us when we you know when, when we got married and we are pastors. We, we kept wondering, man, I think they made a mistake. Like, our marriage is not the perfect one. We, we don't have our, our parenting skills together. But, you know, here we are trying to lead uh, the people of God. And, 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 you know, sometimes you have all these insecurities around you. But uh, Paul says that, uh, but we have this treasure in jars of flesh to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Amen. It is not about us. It's about that which is on the inside of us. So Peter realizes the moment and they're like, you know what? I remember Pentecost. I, I remember the tongues of fire that came upon me. Hmm. I actually don't have money to give you. But in the name of Jesus, Come on. rise up and walk. Yes. Yes. Amen. Can I tell you something? In your workplace, in your village, in your home, uh, there are no villages here. They're in your... <laughs> your school, wherever God has placed you strategically, you are a carrier of the good news. And you know, uh, uh, when people drive me and put me in, in the front seat, sometimes I get out my camera when I'm here in the US and I take pictures and I'm like, this is just so perfect. Like, I can't imagine. The road is so smooth, no potholes, no... Can I tell you something? In this perfection, I've seen brokenness. Yes. This guy was at the gate of beautiful, but broken. And you see people around you, they seem like they have it all together. They seem like they are beautiful, but it's not beautiful on the inside. Yeah. And they're, they're waiting for, the, for you and I who are carrying the power of God on the inside to release it to them. And, 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 you know, and sometimes we are looking for great opportunities of sharing the gospel. But maybe it won't be a Reinhard Bonke moment for you. <laughs> it, it may not be, what's this guy? Louis Palau. It may not be that. It may be the guy that you are, that you, 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 your friend at the school. Maybe your friend at your workplace. Maybe your neighbor. And you know what? All you need to do is to really stay as close as possible. I watched the, the videos when, when Pete and Tamawa were being set in and, and some of his friends were giving testimony and they had difficult moments in their lives and, uh, and they said, uh, I think one of the guys said that Pete was, was there. You know, sometimes all we need to just is just keep loving and God will bring the moment. That's my second point, that the ordinary gospel encounters occur in everyday yes. moments. 
I think it's um, Rick Warren who says that you, you know, every person will face a storm. And, you know, they will, they will encounter a storm. You know, we have the, the, the hurricane, I don't know what name it is now. Uh, and, you know, in the moment of the hurricane, when people are being rest, when people are, when, 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 when the first responders are going in, the, the people in the house won't say, hey, no, this is not a good moment for me, wait. <laughs> They'll say, where's the boat? Where's the, where's, Where's the helicopter? I want to move out of this place. And as good as people look, there will be moments when they will look straight, you know, like these guys, this lemon, he looks straight in Peter's eyes, Peter and John's eyes and say, hey, I need, I need that solution. And you know, the world is seeking for an answer, uh, seeking an answer for their solution. But we have a, a different answer from, yeah. from what they expect. That's, so the lame man was waiting for the money. You know, I was thinking about it like, what if Peter had the money? Mm. What would have happened? I think maybe one of two things. He probably would have given the money and walked away. Or he probably would have given the money and preached the gospel. But God set it up so well that this fisherman at the time of prayer. How do you go to the house of God without money? Maybe he had some money. I don't know what, I don't know what was happening. But he said, you know what? You're talking to broke guys here. <laughs> but we have something better than silver and gold. Yes. In the name of Jesus, yes. rise up and walk. Amen. How many of you have faced uh, people around you? Uh, they have a situation. You want to help, but you really cannot. That's a good setup. That's a moment God has set up for you to say, you know what? Not every solution is a money solution. Hmm. It's, you know, God is looking for opportunities when a gospel conversation can happen. And we have to be open to keep creating those. Be open to, to open our eyes. Or maybe, maybe someone just needs to hear what I'm, uh, uh, maybe someone over, over a meal, over dinner. Like uh, sometimes we, we, we Christians, we, we, we just like to, to just hang with Christians. But I believe that God is calling us uh, to remember what he has deposited right in, in the inside of us. And because he has deposited that on the inside of us, we just need to keep looking at God. What do you want me to do today? Where is the gospel moment for me? I listen sometime, I don't know if I get the story right, but Tamai thinks someone called you and they were on the plane and they're like, we are, we are right here at the, port, at the airport in Portland and somehow you, you go to them and you begin to work. I don't remember the story very well, but that was the gospel moment for you. Uh, uh, and all of us every day, God gives us the opportunities to do something for him, to share the goodness of God. The brokenness around us, we, we, can't, we, we are not those that should perpetuate it because what perpetuated this lemon's sitting there, he was, you know, he was being carried to be there. What perpetuated that is they kept giving him solutions that kept him in that same state. But when the gospel comes in, the gospel upsets everything. Yes. Mm, the time for begging is over. Yes. It is time for a new life. Yes. You know, there are beggars in Kampala. 
one time I, 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 you know, we, I don't know if you've seen these 14 seater commuters. Uh, one time we were, we were going back uh, home and the, the guy who comes from our village, uh, a beggar who comes from our village, uh, was sitting in the car uh, right at the, at, the, at the back and he had, he had this one, his amount of money. It was a lot of money. I was like, what? This guy gets more money than some guys in the offices up there in one day. But can I tell you something? The money didn't help him. Yeah. He, he kept getting, kept receiving, but his life never changed. Wow. Uh, and I think that uh, uh, people have tried so many things. They've, you know, forgive me if you're in this stuff, but maybe it's essential oils, maybe it's, maybe it's um, uh, finding out what's, what's your, what's your enogram number, what's, what, <laughs> like, maybe it's a good book, maybe it's, you know, until people read the, the living word of God, yeah. everything is simply a suggestion, everything will just simply say, hey, try this, try this, uh, for, for some time, there's, there's a lady that, you know, stays right, right outside of our, of our house. Um, so we, we live in, we, you know, I wish I could paint for you the picture, but it's, it's a crazy place. And, um, and right outside there are like these, like, they are like one room houses. Um, I mean, the whole family is like in this one room. And, and they, every night, almost every night, you would hear people crying, shouting and fighting and what? But there was this one lady that, uh, she makes, I don't know, you guys know samosas? Yeah. Okay. So she makes the samosas for people, for kids who, who are going to school. But, you know, she was, she was just, she was just broken. And she was not, she was not happy. And one time our, our life group moved out and, and shared the, you know, the gospel and then invited her to church. And then she said, well, we don't want to come, to, we never wanted to come to your church. And we, they asked her, why? Well, your church, hmm. We think people speak a lot of English in your church. That's why we don't want to come to your church. We're like, no, we have an English service. And she didn't know that we had this English service. Luganda service. We have this Luganda service, which you, you'll be able to listen and understand everything. And you know what? One Sunday, we were, we were surprised she showed up. And Dora took her and thank you for coming. Like, we were also very shocked that she had come. And then for four consecutive Sundays, she kept coming. Uh, I think one of those, she gave her life to Christ. And you know what? I'm like, what if no one had ever spoken to this lady? Yeah. God just orchestrates things. One, one time I was going to church, walking to, it's, it's a walkable distance from where I come from, where I stay. I was going to church and uh, I meet this young guy. He was crying. I'd seen him, seen him at church. He was crying right in the, in the road. And so we walk and say, hey, stop crying. Now let's go to the office. You tell me what's up. So he begins to tell me his story. How um, the family had uh, organized like a, um, a send-off, a, a meeting. And they, they asked them to renounce Jesus. Or you know, either renounce Jesus. If you don't renounce Jesus, then you're... Um, uh, will will uh, no, I think I've told you that will abandon you for life. 
So, uh, so they had moved out with the family, with his brother, older brother, and they had started living in this shack. And all of a sudden, that night they robbed them of everything. So he was crying. I was like, you know, God is, you know, um, I don't know if I should keep following God and all. And um, uh, long story short, we, you know, started encouraging him. And like, you know what? You will make it. Tell me, what's your next level of education? Like, I'm supposed to go to senior five. And so. I made a commitment, had a third door about, hey, you're going to go to school. Um, so I think we paid the first term and then COVID came. And so as the more we kept interacting, kept we would come to our home for, for meals and all, the more we kept interacting, we discovered God had set us up to be his parents because his parents literally walked out on him. And let me tell you something, that guy, Sula, he 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 will lead a revival in Uganda. He he because he loves God. He's kept himself. He's uh, he's um, abandoned. Um, he, he has paid a high price for the gospel. But I believe that as God keeps using him, he will uh, he will see many people come to the Lord. Which is my really my third and final point is that gospel moments. Uh, Ordinary gospel encounters, oh no, ordinary gospel encounters resulting into uncommon fruit and result. This is what I mean. This thing, as God set it up, was really not just about this lemma. It was for the 5,000 people that God saved out of that. Bible says that, uh, Acts chapter 4, now as he spoke, to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Verse 4, however, many of those who had the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Now, in the whole book of Acts, I don't remember a bigger number. There was a 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. But the 5,000 came like, started like a joke. Hey, we don't have, we don't have money, but in Jesus' name, raise up. You know, sometimes you need to play out. How did this thing happen? Like how, what was, you know, sometimes we, we, we like to say, hey, we don't have money. But in Jesus' name, rise up. Maybe these guys were crazy. They couldn't even speak well. They just said, we don't have money. Silver and gold, we don't have. But what we have, they knew what they had. We give to you. Yes. You know, church, I want to remind you, there's something powerful on the inside of you. And the world is looking for it. What you have, you give to them. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Then it created a sin. That's how God sets up things. 5,000 people. You know, sometimes I, I know it in my heart. You know, when, when we're asked to leave the church, like Dora said, we had our lives going. But we reached a moment when we realized that if we don't do this, We'll be walking in obedience. We'll make it to heaven, but we'll really have disobeyed what God wanted to do in our lives. 
in five years. We've seen about four churches started. Five years. You just, sometimes we discount what God will do in and through us. You know, just acts of obedience. I, I, you know, when Pastor Bob was in Uganda on the Sunday, he was already tired. And uh, I kept asking him, now in the 25 years, tell me some stories of faith. And he kept telling me, kept telling me. And he told me about the churches that have risen out of this place. What would have happened if that man just didn't respond to what God had put in his heart? I wonder, what has God blessed in your heart? You know, we, 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 we can't wait for the grand moments. God works in everyday moments. And those are the moments he chooses to broadcast a wide message. 5,000 people come to the Lord. And, and I, I wrote this statement in my notes that when we step out, it is the Lord who is stepping out. When we, step up, when we step out in obedience, I don't know what God is asking you to do. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe, you know what? Who has God placed on your heart? When we step out, it is God stepping out. The Bible says in Mark 16, my final scripture, that say, he said to them, this is Jesus saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And he says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll drive out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll pick up snakes with their hands. And they, when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They'll place their hands on the sick and they'll get well. Verse 19, after the Lord Jesus has spoken to them, he was taken up in heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord walked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. The Lord works when we step out. And I wonder what, happened, what would have happened on Pentecost. You know, if it, if, it, if it were like in Uganda, the Spirit of God falls and we see the fire, man would be like, let's do another overnight. Let's just stay here. Let's, let's do a, a 100 day prayer meeting. No, that's not what they did. They walked out. The Bible says Peter um, and, and the 11, was the 11, the 10, maybe you know, the 11, they stood up and they began to preach the gospel. Oh, you have a power on the inside of you, each one of us young, old. There's a power of God upon you. There's a grace of God on this house. Uh, just last week, I, I know that you sent even out people to go to Michigan and you know, plant a church in a Muslim area. Let me, let me say this. God, God is a good God. And God wants to show himself strong on people that will realize what he has deposited on the inside of them and step out and live out the gospel, love people, be close enough that when a moment, when they need an encounter with God, they will be the present ones. <laughs> Hallelujah.